Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. We hope you enjoy today's message from Dr. Forrest. This morning, I want to talk to you about something that I call living life inside out. The last time I preached it, we broadcast it live on Facebook, and we also put out a podcast version as well. It was over a year ago. It was right when the pandemic had picked up steam and we weren't meeting in person. So I really felt in my spirit that I should preach it again in a live service because it really is a topic that resonates with believers, especially new believers. And it really is a topic that we should know something about because it has to do with the way that we live our life as believers. So to get started and help you see what I mean by living life inside out, let's begin by talking about spirit, soul, and body, or the three-part nature of man. This is going to be review for a lot of you, but it's going to be new for a lot of you. It turns out, according to the Bible... We human beings were made by God with three distinct components, spirit, soul, and body, yet we are one complete human being. When Dan came in the door this morning, I didn't say, here comes Dan, and his spirit's not far behind, because all parts of his being are together, amen? So if you would turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, many have taught that the spirit and the soul are the same thing. But interestingly enough, the Bible does not teach that. If you believe the spirit and the soul are the same thing, you're going to get confused when it comes to key doctrines in the Bible. So there are three separate Greek words used here in 1 Thessalonians 5.23 that uh, spell out spirit, soul, and body as three distinct different parts. The word translated as spirit here is the word pneuma. It means breath or air. It's the part of you that God breathed into you at conception. It's that part of you that comes directly from Him. The word translated as soul is the Greek word suke. And actually, if you look at it and pronounce it in the English, it looks more like psyche. And it means the collective of your mind, your will, your emotions, and your personality. The word translated as body in the Greek is the word soma, which means the flesh or the body, or the earth suit in which our spirit and soul live. Amen? If you live on planet earth, you need to have an earth suit. If you go into outer space, you got to have a space suit. Amen? Praise the Lord. So we are spirit, soul, and body, yet we are one whole being. Very much like our Father, who is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, yet He is one whole being. You ever have trouble 
grappling with the Trinity, just look at yourself in the mirror and realize there's a spirit and a soul on the inside of that body that's looking in that mirror, and you're not that different from God. In fact, Genesis says He made us in His image, in His likeness. Amen. And one of the ways we are made in His image and in His likeness is in our three-part being. Amen. So the reason I had to share all of that is to make sure that you know when you accept Jesus as your Lord, the Bible says you are born again spiritually. In other words, it's the spirit man on the inside of you that is changed. And when that spirit man is changed, he becomes righteous, perfect, and holy on the inside just like God. Now, I know that's a little hard to get our arms around a little hard to grasp. So let me show that to you in the Scripture because it is kind of hard to believe that righteousness, perfection, and holiness live on the inside of me because I know me. But before we go there, let's read 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18. Very familiar Scriptures. Most of us know it. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God. Amen. So I don't exactly understand the mechanics of how this works, but evidently from the Scripture, we learn that your spirit was dead to God before you knew Jesus. And God is somehow able, when you accept Jesus as Lord, to take that old dead spirit out of you and put in a new live spirit that's righteous and perfect and holy just like God. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The Greek there makes it like this. He is a new creation without precedent, which never before existed. It's hard to believe, but it's true. And it goes on to say that not only are you a new creation, but old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God. And you know that has to be talking about your spirit, man, because you know your, your mind, your will, your emotions haven't really changed radically yet. And you know you look the same way you did before you got born again. If you had a prominent nose before you were born again, you... You probably got a prominent nose afterwards. If you had wavy hair before you got born again, you got wavy hair after you got born again. Amen? Praise the Lord. Now, as I said, the notion that we are righteous and perfect and holy on the inside is kind of hard to get your arms around. Because, as I said, common sense tells us that, you know, this verse has to be talking about our spirit, man, because we know ourselves. We know our faults and we know all our flaws. We know ourselves after the flesh, and we know ourselves after the soul, however. And we know that we're not walking in righteousness, in perfection, and in holiness to the level that we should be in all parts of our three-part being. But we often don't know ourselves after the Spirit, or we would realize what's on the inside of us. As I've said many times before, once you get born again, the challenge of the Christian walk 
is to get what's inside of you to show up on the outside. To pull those attributes of righteousness, holiness, and perfection from the inside so they show up on the outside. Amen? So everybody can see that you're changed, that you're made in the image of Jesus Christ now. And one of the best ways you can make that happen, you can start that inside-out process happening, is to find out what the man on the inside is really like. And the best way you can do that is to get into the Word and see what God says about that inner man. Then you can attach faith to what the Bible says about the man or the woman that's on the inside of you and begin to pull more of his or her characteristics to the outside so people can see who you really are. Now, this is a discussion that my wife and I used to have, especially when we were headed to church. It seems like arguments break out when you're headed to church. It, it is written. I have spoken. It will happen. And so my wife, being a woman, is very passionate, very emotional, and, uh, you know, we'll have an argument, and I'm over it, and I'm like, we got five minutes to get, get to the church, and praise God, we're going to go worship the Lord. She's like still 20 minutes behind, you know, and she's wondering about the thing that I said to her that hurt her feelings, and what did I really mean by it, and that, and this and that. And uh, she said, I just can't go into the church and put on airs and, and become somebody that I'm not, you know. That, that would be like lying, you know. It's just a big put on. Well, what I've learned to tell her and what she has learned is that it depends upon who you think you are. Who is the real man? If I go in there and they see all this ball of emotions, they're going to see the real me. And I said, I don't think that's the real you. And I don't think it's wrong to go in there to church and put on righteousness, holiness, and perfection. To walk it out whether you feel it or not, I don't think that's wrong. I think that's walking by faith. Some people have called it fake it till you make it. Well, I don't, I don't think that's accurate. I think it's walking out what we know by faith lives on the inside of us, and we are putting on the new man. We are showing people who we are on the inside. That other guy that we think is the real you is the old you, the remnant of the flesh that still wants to do things the old way. Amen? Everybody knows what I'm talking about. So let me say one more time, because you got to get this revelation. you just got to know this. If you're born again, if you've said yes to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your spirit man is as righteous, as perfect, as holy as God himself. Otherwise, you couldn't get into heaven because he doesn't let unrighteous people, unholy people, and imperfect people into heaven. We say, well, I've got a long way to go. Listen, you're already righteous, perfect, and holy on the inside. You just got to get the rest of your being to catch up with what's on the inside, your soul and your body. When your spirit and soul combine together and they get united and get on the same page, they can make the body toe the line. Paul said, I put my body under subjection. I tell my body what to do and where to do it and when to do it. Unfortunately, if your soul is still feeding on the things of the world, 
there will be a clash between your spirit and soul, and the body will side with the soul and do things it should not do. Amen. I know this is fundamental. I know this is basic. But listen, we can know something and not walk in it. We need to know these things and we need to walk in these things. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, just so you know, we're on solid scriptural ground when we say such fantastic things as you are righteous and holy and perfect as God. Let me show you that in the word. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 22 and 23. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22 and 23. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just or righteous men and women made perfect. So this passage makes it clear that when we get born again, the part of our three-part being that is made righteous, that is made perfect, is our human spirit. Amen. Look here. It's talking about the general assembly and church of the firstborn. It's pointing out that there's the church of the firstborn and all these innumerable angels that are populating heaven right now. But did you know that we also here on earth belong to the church of the firstborn? If Jesus is your Lord and Savior. So there are people in heaven that belong to the church of the firstborn. And we also are part of that same church. And notice what it says about them and by extension what it says about us. These people in the church of the firstborn are spirits of just or righteous men or women that have been made perfect. That's how you get into heaven. You have to be made perfect. You cannot get there on your own. You need to receive it as a gift. And that truth that we are made righteous and perfect and holy in our human spirit, that truth is what sets Christianity apart from all other world religions. If you study all the world's major religions, you'll find out that they all have one thing in common. They all strive to reach righteousness, perfection, and holiness through natural human effort through the deeds of man. And true Christianity stands as a stark contrast to all the world religions because it recognizes that the standard of righteousness, perfection, and holiness is completely unattainable by fallen man. There's no way you can get there from here. And the only way we can attain such things is to receive them as a gift. A gift that is given by a gracious and loving Heavenly Father. A Father who loved the world so much that He sent His Son Jesus to pay the price so that He could make us righteous, make us perfect, make us holy. Amen? I, for one, am glad for that because I know 
myself and I know my flaws and I know all the wrong turns and flubs that I've made in my life. So I'm glad that on the inside, I am righteous, I am perfect, I am holy. So let's talk about the definition of righteousness. Biblical righteousness means that you have right standing with God or you're in right relationship with God. And if you're in right standing with God, it's a legal term that means no judgments of any kind can be rendered against you. You are righteous. No accusations can come against you. But remember, no amount of righteous deeds can earn you that kind of righteousness because the standard of righteousness is God's righteousness. You got to be as righteous as God or it's not enough. And God's righteousness, as we've been saying, can only be obtained as a gift through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5.21. 2 Corinthians 5.21. For he hath made him to be sin for us, talking about Jesus, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. If you doubted me before, you can't doubt me now because there it is in the Word. We have been made, if we are born again, we have been made the righteousness of God in Him, in Christ, not in you, in Him. Think about it. Think about what this verse is saying. I'll read it one more time. For He hath made Him to be sin for us, talking about Jesus, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. So Jesus became what we were so we could become what He is. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that glorious? Doesn't that set you free? Doesn't that take the burden off of you to live according to a set of do's and don'ts? You can just be free. And live righteous out of what's in you. Not what you do, but what's in you. You don't become righteous by doing righteous deeds. But righteous deeds flow out of a nature that was made the righteousness of God in Christ. So one of the things I want you to see is this. If you know that true righteousness dwells in you you can begin to work that righteousness from the inside to the outside. Galatians 5.22 says, There is fruit of the Spirit inside the born-again believer. Love, joy, peace, faith, self-control. Love, joy, peace, faith, self-control. I said it so I could hear it on the mic and in the podcast. One more time. Love, joy, peace, faith, self-control. There's more, but I don't have them all memorized. I just know that they're in there. Amen. I can go to Galatians 5.22 here in a minute. I can look it up and say, all of those things are in me. Therefore, I walk in love. Therefore, I walk by faith. Therefore, I have self-control. Therefore, I'm going to be the man that I see on the inside. I'm going to walk that out in my daily life. That's what I mean when I say living life inside out. Amen. Let's talk about the definition of perfection. 
We've talked about righteousness. Let's talk about perfection. Biblical perfection describes a state of completeness. It's actually completeness. In other words, you have everything you need to become the person God called you to be and do the things that he called you to do and reach the people he called you to reach. You are complete or perfect in him. It's kind of like the biblical notion of shalom. Shalom means more than peace. It means healing, wholeness, prosperity. Nothing is missing. Nothing is broken. Amen? Hallelujah. You've got everything you need to be the person God called you to be. That's biblical perfection. Again, this level of perfection is not possible through human effort, but it must be received as a gift. You have to be made perfect in your spirit, just like you were made righteous through faith in Jesus our Lord. Now, I said all these heady things. i got to back them up in Scripture. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20 and 21. Remember I said you got to be made perfect. Hebrews 13, 20 and 21. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect. Make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. You've been made perfect And the Spirit of God that dwells on the inside of you is constantly stirring you to do that which is well-pleasing to the Lord. I think that's awesome. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23. We read it already, but I want to reemphasize. Talking about the general assembly and the church of the firstborn. It says, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven... To God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just or righteous men and women, made perfect. you got to be made perfect. You can't become perfect in your own effort. You have to be made perfect as a gift from God. Amen. Hallelujah. So you've been made righteous. You've been made perfect. Now we want to talk about the definition of holiness. Holiness, biblical holiness is a statement of your moral character or your moral nature. It cannot be earned by what you do or don't do or what you wear or don't wear. Once again, the standard is God's holiness, and you'll never reach that standard in your own efforts. You have to be made holy just like you were made perfect and you were made righteous. And those things can only come through the new birth. John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must be born again. There has to be a change on the inside if there's going to be a change on the outside. you got to learn to live what's inside on the outside. Amen. He went on to tell Nicodemus, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. We're talking about a spiritual change in the heart of man. The prophet spoke about this. Uh, if you read that whole passage there in John chapter 3, 
he talks about the born-again experience to Nicodemus, who's clueless, who is a, a Pharisee and, and, you know, presumably schooled in the Word. And he says, you're a teacher of Israel, and you don't know this? You should have known this. And I think what he was making reference to is the prophet spoke about a day when we would have the new birth available. One prophet said like this, there's a day coming when I'm going to take out your stony heart and put in a heart of flesh. That's an Old Testament way of saying the new birth is coming. There's another prophet who says, there is coming a day when I will write my word on the table of your heart, and you'll live life from the inside to the outside. Isn't that what we're talking about? Nicodemus evidently forgot about all that. He's trying to figure out how a man can get back into his mother's womb a second time. I don't think he was seriously thinking that. I, I think that's just the first thing that came out of his mouth. And Jesus said, no, no, that's not what I'm talking about. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right. Ephesians 4, through 24. This should seal the deal if you're doubting me thus far. Ephesians 4, and 24. That you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created or made according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So there it is in the scripture. You have to be made holy. You can't reach it on your own. Amen. Praise the Lord. And here's that notion of we've got to make a daily choice when we get up out of the bed that we're not going to do things according to the old man, but we're going to put on the new man or the new woman, and we're going to live on the outside what we know lives on the inside. Amen? It's got to be a conscious choice every day of your life. Amen? You know, I like to think about it like this. It's all right to be a put-on. If you're putting on the new man, amen. Hallelujah. We have to bring that new man who was made righteous, perfect, and holy from the inside to the outside. And the more you know about the man on the inside who is just like God, the easier it will be to walk out what you know lives in you. Righteousness, perfection, and holiness. And that's what I mean by living life inside out. Amen? Amen. We hope you were blessed by Dr. Forrest's message today. If you are in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, come join us on Sunday at 9.45 a.m. for coffee and fellowship and 10.30 for worship and service. If you would like to learn more about us, and hear more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.